1: Hey everybody, to this edition of Attention Talk Radio, I'm your host, ADHD and Attention Coach Jeff Copper. Our topic tonight, ADHD and bullying. Drop the stick. Uh, We're going to get to the content in a moment. Before we do, we'd like to thank children and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder for bringing this program to you. In celebration of that event, we're anxious to give away free digital copies of Attention Magazine. To get yours, just listen to our show. We'll be sharing a secret word a couple times. Write it down. Listen to another show. Um, and write down the secret word of that show, and then just email me the, the two words. That's all you need to do. Email address is attention at attentiontalkradio.com. When we get it, we'll forward it to Chad. We'll get you a PDF copy of the current edition of Attention Magazine, and they'll send you a PDF copy of the next edition when it's in print. We have a little tip that we're going to share with you that Chad made, and we'll get into the show.
0: When you have ADHD, putting in an eight-hour workday while maintaining maximum concentration can be a challenge. Here are some strategies to help make your physical environment less distracting. Use your laptop, smartphone, or alarm to track appointments and deadlines. Break up long tasks into shorter ones. Take breaks and walk around. Before you leave work, take five minutes. organize your work area for the next day. To learn more about workplace issues, visit chad.org.
1: Thank you so much, Chad, for your continued support. For those that are not aware, Chad is the largest not-for-profit organization that advocates on behalf of those with ADHD. We encourage all of our listeners to either donate or become members to support Chad. Financial stability is really important for them to have the resources to have people lobbying. Uh, on Capitol Hill for the ADHD community and working with different regulatory agencies on wording to make sure that uh, those with ADHD get the accommodations that they need in order to thrive. Again, for more information, to donate or to uh, become a member, go to chadd.org. So years ago, I, uh, I reached out to Lane Taylor-Claus to do uh, a little interview on bullying. And I kind of thought that we were going to be talking about bullying like on a playground and stuff like that. But to my surprise, um, she talked about how we bully ourselves. It was an incredibly insightful show. And, um, you know, good content good content. And uh, often good content kind of falls on down the archives and search stuff for more newer stuff. And so sometimes we repurpose some of the stuff to kind of make it fresh and new again. So we are re-releasing our interview with Elaine. I think you'll enjoy it. So let's roll the tape. Elaine, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you. Great to be here. And can I just say Impact ADHD? Oh, I'm <laughs> sorry.
1: Good. That <laughs> I should shoot myself for that. I, how, do I, how do I... No, no, anyway, no. It's, no. it's impactadhd.com, and you need to go check it out. There's amazing resources on there, and we'll talk a little bit more of that as we get into things. You know, Elaine, I'm, I'm really... I'm thrilled to have you on the show today. Um, to be quite honest with you, usually when we do topics here, I, I either... I have something... And direction i want to go in or i've done a lot of research with the speaker i mean i've had dr barkley on before and i've, I've literally put like six hours of trying to synthesize his stuff so i can really kind of pull it together but today's really unique because i gotta be honest with you i don't really know a lot about bullying so this is going to be a real education for me today so i guess can you start can you just talk about kind of what bullying is and and, and we'll go from there
0: I, I will, but I, I guess I want to make the same caveat you just did, which is that you know I wouldn't say I'm really an expert in it either. Uh, but I would say that I I have I encounter it a lot in the work that I do, and so I've got a lot of experience with it from from all sides, and so. Um, I think this is going to be an interesting conversation because both of us, you know, as enmeshed as we are in this world, we experience it. And so it may be one of those things that you can't really pinpoint what it is, but you know it when you see it,
1: right? And you already got me curious. You say you encounter it a lot. What do you you mean by that?
0: Well, I think that bullying shows up in our community a lot. And, you know, bullying has become sort of this hot-button word in, in the media, there are every school in the country has got anti bullying campaigns for the last you know twenty years or something, and there's some amazing programs empowering programs for kids and so there's there's some great awareness that's raised in the last twenty years or so around uh, what I think is really around respect, because bullying is sort of the antithesis of respect. And so there's a lot of awareness about how important it is for people to treat each other with respect, and to treat each, uh, to to acknowledge each other's rights, and to not hurt each other. And ultimately, bullying is about, in some way, whether it's intentional or unintentional, um, causing harm to someone else by. Um, physical harm or shame or embarrassment or, you know, it shows up in lots of different ways. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think there's this this growing awareness. There's now a National Bullying Prevention Month, right? I think there's this awareness that it's not okay to treat people that way. Um, And it really may have come to the fore a lot in the last 10 years with cyberbullying becoming such a a hot issue and, and such a big problem. Um, So it's really about how we treat each other. And I think that when you look at the work that you and I do um, in the world, it's about helping people be conscious about how we treat ourselves and how we treat each other and, and the behaviors that we bring into the world.
1: It, it, it's, I love what you just said, and what, what little I did on, on, on preparing for this show is one, I had an aha moment, because you're just talking about bullying and what it is, and I never thought of the notion of, of how we bully ourselves, and oh. in the context of ADHD, it's like I had like this wow. Can you tell us about that a little bit, because it's just fascinating about the notion of bullying yourself.
0: I think when I work with adults with ADD, and and, you know I work with parents, but about half of my parents have have ADD themselves, Mm -hmm. Um, one of the first things for an adult who's diagnosed, particularly when, when we're not diagnosed until we're adults, one of the first things we teach them is what I say, what I call to put the stick down because we have spent so much of our lives beating ourselves up and hitting ourselves over the head for what we thought were stupid mistakes, right, or not being able to do what we thought we wanted to do. And we really beat ourselves up badly as adults with ADD. Until we understand the ADD and begin to learn systematically to manage it, we just feel like, you know, that fabulous book, We're Lazy, Crazy, or Stupid, and mm-hmm. it 's been reinforced by the rest of the world, and then we we internalize it, and even if nobody's saying it to us we 're saying it to ourselves um, and, and I think we see it we see it with even the most successful adults out there will uh, you know David work with ADD Coach Academy tells great stories about these incredible uh, very successful entrepreneurs who then sort of call them up and say i'm a failure." <laughs> You know.
1: you know, it's, it's, it's funny because you just said that, and while I, I just was remember you, you've seen Doctor Hollowell speak so many times at conferences, and he talks about David Needleman, yeah. who, who who founded the, um, the paperless reservation system. He talks about how you know when he was running JetBlue, he's like on top of the world, yet he's driving home feeling like I, I, he didn't uh-huh. use the word failure, but he was like looking down on himself negatively, which I think speaks to exactly what you're talking about.
0: Exactly, and I think that's a way in which we bully ourselves. You know, we say terrible things to ourselves. You wouldn't say to other people what, what we tend to say to ourselves. I'm such an idiot. How could I do that? I can't. You know, I can't believe I. Right. And we mm-hmm. do it all the time. Um, what was I thinking? Why would they want me to come anyway? Why would they ask me to do that? Like we just we reinforce these negative sense. And part of it is you know low self esteem, low confidence. But but I think when it becomes this habit and over time as adults it becomes a habit it's a sort of a form of self-bullying mm-hmm. well, how
1: would how would you if you were talking to an adult or a parent or something like that in the context of stop bullying yourself what what advice would you have or what would you how would you work with them on it
0: well, you know, when I work with adults on it, and and you know, I re- I read a piece about it called "Tame the Bully Within" because I just think mm-hmm. it's such. It, and this is when I was not diagnosed till I was an adult, and so part mm-hmm. of this comes from my own recognition of oh that 's what i 've been doing to myself all these years. You know mm-hmm. Once I got diagnosed and then got some coaching, I began to understand and I think the first step is always awareness to recognize it, to see what 's going on, to pay attention to the messages you tell yourself. you know in coaching we t- yep. we work a lot with gremlins, right? Yep. What are those gremlin messages you're telling yourself? Um, and and begin to sort of redirect those messages to what else is also true, you know, or what else is true. Are you really stupid or did you just make an honest mistake, right? Mm-hmm. So that you've got to – first step is to recognize the, those terrible messages, those those tapes that you're playing for yourself. My husband's a coach as well, and he, he talks about, about erasing the tapes and, and t- making new tapes that we save mm-hmm. ourselves, right? Um, and then the second, I think, is probably to sort of commit to failing forward. You're going to make mistakes. That's life, in fact. That's how we humans learn. Without errors, we don't have progress. We have to You. I mean, I think I may have even learned this term from you, although I've, I have to be honest, I've, I've co-opted it if I did. <laughs> but it's the idea. Of <laughs> you have it. That's and okay because I like it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, but but it's so powerful, right, that, yeah, we're going to make mistakes, but can we make a mistake without making ourselves wrong for it, right? Can our kids yeah. make mistakes without making them wrong for them?
1: And, and I'll, like I'll just digress you. here for a second just to kind of capitalize that. Is I did write an article a couple years ago called Failing Forward. And mm-hmm. when you listen to that, it's kind of an interesting kind of term, but I want to just pause if I can, Elaine, because – I learned this from interviewing Dr. Barkley. He said, think of the back half of your brain as the filing cabinet. That's the knowledge. And when you go to school, you're transferring information from knowledge, and you put it into the back part of your brain. And those with ADD, they're not, they're not stupid people. And they can learn, they uh-huh. hold that up there. But the front part of your brain, the prefrontal cortex, is the execution. It takes that knowledge from the back part of your brain, and it organizes it and executes it. And that's the doing uh-huh. side. And so when you go out there... Um, I've seen a lot of people get their MBAs and they have the knowledge, but when they go out in the working world, they can't necessarily execute it. But the only way, the only way you can do it is to go to what I call the school of hard knocks because that's where you actually kind of go out and do it. And so that notion of failing forward is the degree, only degree that you can get yeah. in the school of hard knocks. And I'm sharing that because I want to put it in ADHD context. And coming back to what you were just talking about, we both went through um, coach training at Coach's Training Institute. And one of the things that I remember is there's, there's learning and you take action. And you learn mm-hmm. and you take action. Deep in the learning
0: and for yep. the action.
1: Exactly. And the thing that I think that you're bringing up here that's so cool is that one is you've got to be aware that you're bullying yourself. Uh-huh. Then you've got to pause and you've got to back up and you've got to pay attention to what works and you've got to deepen the learning to what's going on because if you never pause to learn to pay attention to what works, you're focused on the negative and you just really kind of keep bullying yourself. So I just, I had to throw that in there. I'm interested in your thoughts about that because it's that negative cycle of not learning what works but bullying yourself what doesn't work and you just stay stuck.
0: Well, I, I think bullying gives ourselves the excuse to stay stuck and to not make, move forward and to not improve. And, you know, if, you, if you're telling yourself you're a failure and you're not going to do it anyway, then why should you really try? Um, you know, and, and truly that's, that is, I mean, you, you speak to it so well, that is exactly how we learn. If you look at babies, they cannot walk if they don't crawl, right? Crawling mm-hmm. is critical for brain development. You can't talk if you don't babble and make funny sounds first. We, we have a progress of how we learn, and that's the case for everything. So we definitely have to fail forward. And then I think the other piece to it is that, um, is that we have that tendency to blame, right? And mm-hmm. blaming really gets in the way a lot. So if we, are, um, if we are, if I'm a failure, then I can blame, I begin to blame others for it, right? Right. Um, because I want to stop being a failure all the time. So then I start deflecting blame everywhere that I can. And it's their fault. And I was late because there was a truck in the road. And I was, right, like we make all yep, these yep. excuses and find all these ways to, to, to blame everybody else for our challenges. And, and this may sound like a twist here, but I think one of the ways actually to, to fail forward and to, to begin to shift this habit of bullying ourselves is to take responsibility for our stuff. For our actions, for our behaviors. Yeah, one of the biggest changes I made early on when I started getting coaching was to stop making excuses for being late. And if I walked in to say, I'm sorry, I didn't leave enough time to get here on time, instead of, oh, there was a truck in the road and the traffic was so bad. And, and, and really, two things happened. One is I began to separate that from me, right? I wasn't beating myself for being Wait, I was honest, and people tended yep. to respond to it positively. Um, and I actually started allowing more time because I didn't want to have to say that when I got
1: there. <laughs> so, actually, <laughs> so can, actually, can you hold that thought? I want to come back to that because I got—I yep. got—I think, I think we can have fun with it. Before we go to, to break, real quick, everybody. Um, Elaine works. Um, with her partner, Diane, at impactadhd.com. And this is an amazing site, and, and it's been great, Elaine, because you and I connected a long time ago. It's been awesome to kind of watch you start that and build that community and that kind of forum. But it's chock full of information. You guys have experts on uh, weekly or monthly. You have expert blogs come in. And you guys really focus on coaching parents to take care of their kids. Now, I haven't really misrepresented anything. That's... I, You'd say that's yep, accurate, right? That
0: is exactly right. Thanks. And
1: I, I would encourage everybody to go to impactadhd.com. Sign up for their, uh, their newsletter. I think usually you guys have a free gift or for free information, but I encourage you. It's a great yep. resource to check out. So please go to impactadhd.com, and we'll be right back after these messages. Our secret word tonight is stick. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Learn how you can change your lives by going to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. Managing ADHD is about pausing before you ponder and proceed. This opportunity to practice pausing is being brought to you by gigcoaching.com. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. Welcome back, everybody. We're here with Elaine Taylor-Kloss talking about bullying. And uh, before the break, we were talking about, you know, the biggest bully is really yourself, and you've got to put down the stick. And, you know, Elaine, you were talking about the notion of taking responsibility of your own stuff. And then you said something I thought was fascinating, is blaming and using as excuses. But then you talked about, well, I didn't make it late because I didn't make enough time for it. And I can't help but reflect back on an interview we did with um, – Dr. Ari Tuckman on disclosing ADHD or not, and in that interview he talked about um, the difference between an excuse and an explanation. It's like an excuse is like it, it's like the other person's responsibility. So imagine at work and you're like yeah. you're you're using your ADHD as an excuse. Now the, it's, the other person's responsible for kind of doing all the work for both of you. But if you just explain it, you're still taking the ownership and you're really taking the accountability of it. And you're not using it as an excuse, but you're explaining the why. And when you described your wording, I, I didn't make enough time to get here in time. To me, that's an explanation. And it, it's exactly. really powerful how you're taking responsibility for your own stuff. And now, because, you, you know, we talk so much in coaching about pausing and, 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 and choice, that I love what you said in as much as taking, taking ownership of your own stuff. And then I think, puts you in a position to actually do something about it.
0: Well, it really does it gives it puts you back in control, and it doesn't is you know when you're making excuses you're sort of pointing the finger and you're you're looking everywhere else and you're not really owning it and as soon as you own it, like well, I can do something about that I can allow more time next time or I can you know work with my coach to figure out how to allow more time next time or yep, yep. you know it's no longer it's no longer out there it's it's mine, and it's just part of me. I'm not letting it define mm-hmm. me. Um, it's just part of who I am, and you know. It's, and and yep. I think about what you're saying. I, th- I think it's so powerful for adults in the workplace to understand our ADD, so that we can negotiate how to work with our colleagues in a way that works for us. You know, Diane and I are always having a conversation about, well, you know, vis- I, mean, I have visual processing issues, right? So and uh-huh. I have some dyslexia. So. Um, you know she has to give me information for me to work with in a way that I can process it and use it so i've learned to train her and Jenny and i have trained each other about how we communicate with each other so that we can both use our skills and our brain styles most effectively and it's an, it's yeah. a, it's another probably a whole other radio show but <laughs> <laughs> well i have to it's but funny I think it's because powerfully important.
1: i have to take back in the 90s i was taken um I was getting my MBA and I was taking an organizational behavior class. It was really kind of cool because it was talking about how we all communicate differently and, all, and we had all these exercises and you get all kind of jazzed up. And I, went, I found myself going back to my office because I was managing a team at the time and thinking, I'm going to apply this year. And about a week later, I just paused and I noticed myself and I realized all that stuff had flown out the window. And in that moment, I began to, well, why did that happen? And I realized that I had my own demands on me day to day. And I was having to get that stuff out. It was hard enough for me to focus in on that without having to try to figure everybody else out. And I went to myself, and in and, and, and the spirit of this, to stop bullying yourself to take ownership of your stuff and actually begin to witness how you work. And then reveal the mystery, I mean, unreveal the mystery to everybody else so they don't have to figure it out, which goes to, I think, what you were talking to with Diane, is if, if you begin to understand how you need things or, or how you work, you can begin to, to reveal the mystery to the other person so that they don't have to figure it out so that you can begin to work together, which creates that environment for you to be successful and reduce, so you can actually put down the stick.
0: Exactly. Exactly, and that's the exact same behavior we want to ultimately be teaching our kids is to raise their awareness so that they can begin to learn how to self-manage and self-respect and communicate their needs and advocate for themselves. It's exactly the so, same thing.
1: Uh, so uh, you, you work so much with parents. Can we just transition a little bit to yeah. when, when, you're a, when you're working with parents and their kids are being bullied, give me an education on that because as a parent, you know. Let, one, let me
0: step back for a second. Okay. Because when we're looking at bullying for, for ADHD kids, we're looking at two things. We're looking at kids who are being bullied, and we're looking at kids who are bullying. And, and so I want to be honest that our kids are both, and their ADHD it sort of sets them up for both, right? Yep. Um I mean, if you think about what are some of the conditions that are ripe for being bullied or bullying, right? Mm-hmm. Um, kids who struggle with impulsivity, who who are easily frustrated, who have emotionality issues, who lack self-control, um, those are all kids who tend to be bullies as well as yep. being bullied, right? Yep. Um, imagine how easy it is to be bullied if you're disorganized and you're lost and, you know, your papers are all over the place and you're disheveled walking down the hall. You're a target, yep. right? Yep. So um, so the conditions of ADHD, depending on how it shows up for each of our kids, and it shows up so differently for each of our kids, um, make our kids a little more at risk for both being bullied but also for bullying. Um, unintentionally. I don't think yep. that, that, for the most part, our kids are intending to go out there um, and, and be mean to other people or, or, or dominate or control or anything. But... Um, but it's sort of an unintended consequence sometimes. Does that make
1: sense? So, yeah, absolutely. Um, it really makes a lot of sense. I mean, another aha for me because I never thought it from that perspective. When you're working with parents can you, that, that in this situation, can you talk about what you do and how you work with parents in situations situation where their kids are being bullied and in the situations where their kids actually might be the bully?
0: Well, so I, so I was thinking about it. I want to tell you a story about what happened when my daughter was in second grade because okay. it's a great example of how parents can really manage and turn the tide um, when she was in second grade she was she and a couple other girls or kids were being bullied um, at a at a and, and the school actually called a parent meeting and a small group of parents showed up and as you can imagine, it was those of us who had kids being bullied and a couple of people who one particular and it was girls it wasn't boys by the way mm-hmm. <laughs> um, who was eating Doing the bullying, and when parents talk to each other, when parents are able to be open with each other without getting defensive, without you know picking up that stick themselves and starting to blame other kids, parents can really fuel the fire if they're not careful. Because that kid hurt my kid, right? And if you can have compassion and recognize that that kid's a kid struggling too, right? The kids who are bullying are, are, generally speaking, just as taxed as the kids who are being bullied. Right? They are, they are yep. looking for control in some way, they're feeling out of control, they're lacking self-esteem. It's the same issues, they just show up differently. Like one shows up as victim and one shows up as aggressor, right? Yeah. So if we, if we understand that all of these kids are struggling, then we can, we can have an open conversation and a dialogue with each other. In this case, a group of us moms got together with a counselor at the school and started a mother-daughter group and um, uh, that met, like, I don't know, it was on Sunday mornings or whatever, um, for for a number of years, actually. It turned out to be a very successful group, but um, and it continued in the school for years. But the most important piece was that we were, ta- as parents, we were talking to each other. And instead wow. of coming in there guns blazing saying, your daughter is picking on my daughter, we came together and said, wow, let's, let's teach our kids how to, be in relationship with each other. Wow. And, and I know that's an unusual example because it was a particularly beautiful opportunity, right? Yep, um, yep. And it, that doesn't always present itself. But the idea that we don't, um, that we don't attack that other child, but that we always recognize and respect. Remember I talked at the beginning about that bullying is about sort of anti-respect. And so we as parents have to take the lead by respecting all of the parties at play.
1: I, I'm and not having, just getting
0: defensive for our kids.
1: I, I, forgive me for talking that loud here for a second because I'm having kind of a huge aha because I never really thought you have the bully and the per- person that's being bullied. And the way you said, they're both having kind of the same issues. They're just showing up in a different way. And all of a sudden I just, I've just i been in my head running through that notion of you call. let's say your child's being bullied. It's almost like calling the other parent and saying, listen, you know, I don't, don't know if you realize that, you know, I'm not going to say this the right way, and, and uh, Elaine, I, you would be much better at articulating this. It's almost like, you know, you, I'm concerned for your daughter, or, or, I'm, excuse me, I'm concerned for your child because they're bullying, they seem to have an issue or something like that. It's just, I don't know, it's just interesting how you can kind of turn the table and approach the other parent by saying, hey, there seems to be an issue on your side that your child is bullying. Again, I'm just kind of thinking well, that well, last it, minute. Wow. It,
0: well, and I think I would, I, I always encourage us to say we, not you people yep, yep. people the word you puts people on defensive, right? Uh-huh. So, um, you know, and it may be getting a school counselor involved and it may be um there are a lot of different ways to approach it. and and, and what I will say is that sometimes you're gonna get other parents who are going to be really receptive and say, Well, yeah, let's talk. Let's let's see what how we can help them and sometimes you're gonna get other parents where you're gonna see exactly where that kid's behavior is coming from. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, just to be honest and true, it's not always gonna to work to approach other parents because because sometimes those apples don't fall far from the tree and those kids are learning to bully and to control and to be to to you know, call people names and all of that kind of thing because that's what they're experiencing at home.
1: Well it's interesting because um, and I think you can I, have
0: compassion for that kid in a different way, right? <laughs>
1: yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely. Um Elaine, we need to run to uh, another break real quick. Um, everybody, again, uh, go to impactadhd.com, check it out, um, sign up for their newsletter, and, uh, and spend some time on their website. They've got tons of great information. They've got a lot of great programs. I know you've got this one, Minimizing Meltdowns, is a program for adults to kind of go through to kind of help manage that, and there's a lot of other great things there. So, again, go to impactadhd.com, and we'll be right back after these messages. Our secret word is Stick. You're listening to Attention Talk Radio. We'll return in a moment. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Change your life by learning more about managing ADHD. Other places give you a few tips. The ADD Coach Academy will change your life. To find out more, go to addca.com slash ATR. That's ADDCA.com. You can get started moving forward today. Just call Dig Coaching Practice at 813-837-8084 and schedule a free consultation. Tell us you heard about us on Attention Talk Radio and get 50% off your discovery session. For more information, visit digcoaching.com. Don't delay. Do it today. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. Welcome back, everybody. We're having a great conversation on bullying with Elaine Taylor closs I uh, I signed up to get an education, and that's exactly what I'm getting today. So, Elaine, this has been absolutely amazing.
0: Um, Thank you. Doing can I can I actually before you launch in, can I just because based on what we just said in the last conversation, I want to clarify one thing. Is that okay? Okay. Yeah. I don't want to simplify this because you know what we're really talking about is is really on that milder end. What we've been talking about is the milder end of bullying, and What I do want to say is that there is a much more aggressive, dangerous part of bullying that's happening out there, and I don't want to dismiss it. Um, I definitely have had clients who have literally had to move schools. Um, um, I I have one client who, by the time they got to us, they had actually moved states. Um, So there is something else happening out there that that is a much more, uh, heinous, intense level of what we're talking about, but it's not the most common. What's really common are these little the, these little insults, these little behaviors, and I think that's what most of us encounter more frequently. But I don't want to I don't want to undermine that that really um, scary situation that, that there are families that are they're struggling with as well. I'm
1: I'm 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 really glad that you you brought that up, and I loved how you were don't want to. To simplify this, because it can get very, very complex, and the solutions can get have to have to get to extremes on sometimes uh, for everybody's well-being.
0: Um, and in that case, you need professionals involved, and there's nothing you or I can tell people to do because it's going to be case-dependent.
1: Absolutely, right? absolutely. But so. what we can
0: talk about is the, is the, these little insults, these little yep. ways that people can improve communication, and make
1: absolutely. things better. Now, during you were kind enough to send me some information for this interview so I could kind of bone up on bullying. And as I said, I I hadn't done a whole lot, but during the break, I was kind of flipping through one of them, and you had sent me an article on clarifying values. Now, this is in the context of bullying, and I'm looking at values and bullying, and then I saw bully bully values and stuff. And and, in skimming through this, I also saw, like, values in conflict. Can you just – can we talk about this a little bit because I'm curious – values in the context of bullying how does that come together
0: um question so i think that our values are who we are at our core and they're very different from our beliefs right Mm -hmm. um they are what we stand for they are um they are sort of the essence of who we are what we've how we prioritize our values over our lives change. You know, when I was young, I may have been more interested in those values I have around adventure, and as I'm older, you know, more about maybe security or whatever. Um, But in the context of values, I actually talk about bully values, and I think that's probably what you're speaking to. Uh Um, And the idea of a bully value is that sometimes we have a value that would really have us believe that um, it is more important than any of our other values. And, and here's how I see it show up more than anything. You've got a, a mom or dad of a 15-year-old kid who has a really strong value, a kid with ADD, right, or uh-huh. ADHD, who has a really strong value around love and connection and family and, right, you know, really wants to create a positive family dynamic. They also have some value around uh, maybe it's beauty, maybe it's order, maybe yep. it's responsibility. So one of their other values shows up as you should keep a neat room, mm-hmm. right, yep. <laughs> or you should clean up after yourself. or it's, yep. you know it, it could be a lot of different values that could have that be important to that parent. And what happens is the towels, the wet towels get left on the floor more and the laundry never gets done or whatever, is that parent, that value becomes a bully value and it becomes so important that the values around connection and love and, and relationship and communication sort of get suppressed mm-hmm. because all the parent is paying attention to is that one value of beauty or order or whatever it is that, that ends up being this kid's not being responsible. And um, or isn't doing what I ask, or, you know, however it shows up. And it's not conscious. They're not intentionally saying, well, this is more yep. important to me than, than love. But it begins to sort of dominate and take over, and it interferes with their relationships with their kids. And I see it with parents of younger kids, too. It's not just teenagers, but that's just a, a, the ideal example. Um become, but when well, I've so had this... This, this uh-huh. We did a, a, a,
1: an interview uh, with Carrie Maitland years ago from, from her perspective as an ADHD mom, and she talked about how she was vigilant, um, I think it was in the IEP plans, that homework not come home. Ooh. And it was, fashion, it was fascinating because she's like, you know, she wasn't very well liked at the schools because, she, I mean, she was like, like – like maybe feel I mean she was she, she, I mean she was religious. We didn't come home, and it was funny because I'm having this connection. you know, having it's like we value education and stuff for our kids and and, and getting through and getting good grades is good. But in that situation, she was honoring her value for connection, and her argument was is she didn't want to that, have yeah. a serial relationship with her child when she kind of came home. And I'm just kind of highlighting that yep. because I think it's I – think i I'm getting what you're saying is we, we all have values, and they can become in conflict, and sometimes you, you can over-focus on the one to the detriment of the other, and sometimes you're just pausing and noticing it. Um, and you're exactly. beating yourself up over this stuff, so I, I, I think I'm getting it. Yep.
0: <laughs> well, I, And what I would say is it's not that our values can be in conflict. Our values are always in conflict with each other. There is, there is no time that you can honor all of your values without in some way pushing on some. They're, they just always are in conflict with each other in some way. Usually it's pretty mild. You know, Friday night I might be honoring my value for play, and Saturday I might be honoring my value for health, right?
1: yep. yep. But, not,
0: but I'm not likely doing it at the same time. Um, but when they get out of sync, or when one starts to dominate, it's say, same thing with with the putting the stick down. We've got to first recognize that it's happening. Mm-hmm. And and the beauty of when you get clear on what your values are, and if you've if never worked with a coach to identify your values, it's just an incredible gift. To, to, to get clear on that. Once you see your values, you can begin to make more conscious choices about what you're going to recognize or honor at any given time. And it's, it's hugely helpful in relationships, particularly between parents and kids, but also between spouses. Sometimes I have spouses do, I do their values with them separately, and then I have them ex, uh, compare them sort of to the Venn diagram, right, of where, yep, they, yep. where they're in sync with each other and where they're not so that they can really see that. Um, it's very powerful. So you know,
1: um, I, I vividly remember going through training at Curtis Training Institute. And they, you know, they talked about you know values at the core. They don't really change over time. Maybe the priorities do, nope. beliefs change all over the place. And I really like what you're saying because if you can become conscious of some of that stuff, and you're conscious of your values, yes. and they're in conflict because you know. We have an election coming up in Florida for governor, and I value I value election, but I also value integrity and a bunch of other stuff of which the candidates, in my opinion, are in conflict. And I'm not trying to, to do anything, but I'm having a real problem right now because I want to vote, but I, I I'm having a hard time in conscience voting for either one of them. And but at the same time, if I can pause and realize that I value those two of them, I can mitigate those. And I think the the big the big lesson that I'm learning from today is if I can be aware of them and, and deal with them, I won't beat myself up for the one because I will make a conscious choice in this as to what to do.
0: Exactly. And and all of this really is about awareness and then Mm -hmm. making conscious choices. Um, Which is sometimes easier said than done. I mean, you and I are are in a world where that's what we're focusing on all day, every day to some extent. Um, And it's not it's not easy to do. Sometimes you're going to need guidance to do it. You're going to need support to figure it out. Um, your kids certainly don't know how to do this without guidance, right? So and I don't want to I don't want to oversimplify and say it's this is easy stuff because it's it's actually not. Um, but it's absolutely doable and it's within everybody's reach. Well,
1: you the. the, the... As I'm more and more telling you, you have to be awareness about the awareness because as, yep. as I've been re- interviewing the researchers, ADD being so much more looked at as an executive functioning issue. And one of the biggest things you need to do executive functioning is self-regulation to find exactly. an action you direct back on yourself to change your behavior, to change the future. It's a, a future-directed thing. And by definition – that is a struggle for many with those with ADHD. And so what, what's been coming together for me as coach when we talk about the power of the pause, and meditation is really about witnessing your so that you can pause, and having that awareness that you need to become aware, or even in this show, having the awareness that you might be bullying yourself, and the awareness that you actually have values that are actually going to be in conflict, and being able to say, let's back up for a second and realize what's kind of going on, and dealing with managing it, because I loved how you said, your values can't, they're always going to be in conflict. Now you're in a position really to make choice, which is, you know, in your world, in my world, that's what it's all about. It's actually making conscious choice as opposed to just um, feeling like it's being passed upon you. Yep. Yeah.
0: Well, and the other, the other thing I would add to that, and so I just had an aha from what you just said, is that, yes, we as adults bully ourselves, but we also unintentionally bully our kids. And I don't, I don't think I've realized it as clearly as just from listening to you sort of recap that, is that, A lot of the work I do with my parents, with some parents, is helping them reframe their language with how they talk to their kids because they are actually unintentionally bullying their kids with this constant negative critical language that they don't really, they think they're helping, they're trying to be helpful. I was just on the phone with a client yesterday and it it became really clear. She, with absolute love and compassion, her kid, was saying things in a way that just felt mean, right? It yep. felt critical. And she didn't really see it. She wasn't aware, and it needed to, she needed someone to help her see how it was landing for her daughter.
1: Hey, I, I love what you said. I, again, <laughs> I, mean, just, I, I had just looked up the definition of bullying on Wikipedia, and it says, the use of force, threat, or coercion to abuse, intimidate, or aggressively dominate others. And I say that in the context of language because in an in interview and a couple of experts one time, one explained to me that a language, our language really came about originally to manipulate others. It's to ah, get it's what you want. It, it, think about it. N- now we use it for yeah. education and some other things, but like in the old days, like in the caveman days, if you wanted somebody to get something, I mean it was all, it was all for you. And so I think in one sense, you know, coercion and stuff, there's a whole continuum. One extreme is where you have having to move states. But it comes back so much to what you just said. It's language, and you can love your kid, but I think it's really important, and we talk about this so much in, in coaching, is be mindful of your language of what's going on Um
0: and your tone. you don't want to
1: force of course. And, and so it's just, it's just interesting how that kind of came together, so I had to. I had to yeah, uh, well, and, and I would say language that. and
0: tone of voice. Yep. That it's, sometimes it's not what you say, but it's how you say it. Absolutely. You know, and it's funny because in that group, that mother-daughter group, we did this activity. This is going back so many years, but we did this activity where we would give the kids something to say, and then we would give them different tones of voice to say it in. Um, And so you could learn, put your backpack down on the chair. could be said, hey, sweetie, could you put your backpack down on the chair? Or it could be, get that backpack on the chair. (laughs) And, you know, it
1: it comes out pretty
0: differently, right?
1: Yeah, I learned, I learned a lot of this, too. I've been more mindfulness after interviewing Rick Green a long time ago. Um, and Rick is with Totally ADD, did the documentary, um, Totally ADD, and it, but he talked about, you know, TV and how they adjust language and how so much it's not. They used to say, you know, 10% chance of rain, um, but now in the teasers they don't say that. They say, you know, chances of rain period, on the horizons, right. because they change the language to create that, that, that emotional anxiety kind of draw you forward. And, I mean, that's, that's, that's in a manipulative kind of way with that. But at the same time, it goes back to your point, is if you become conscious of the language that you're using, it can completely change right. the tone and the message that's going on. So, exactly.
0: Um, I, and I have different. a lot of tips on my site that are just about how to use language differently. Yes, because <laughs> I'm a big proponent of it.
1: We need to wrap this up. Any last thoughts or anything that we've missed that we should touch on?
0: No, I think we did, we did a pretty good job, Jeff. <laughs> I know. We've got to do this again. I think, <laughs> <not really. laughs> I think the, the only thing we didn't talk about is, is we didn't talk about social cues. And I do want to just mention that, that, that part of what happens with kids um, is, you know, a lot of them, our kids struggle with these kinds of issues because they're so impulsive. But mm-hmm. sometimes it's because they're just missing it. And so one thing to recognize is that we may think our kid's being bullied and our kid may be clueless. And I don't mean bullied in that intense way, but um, our, a lot of our kids, particularly younger kids, they think everybody's their friend and they don't really realize yet that everybody may not be um, and and while we do want them to learn and understand and, and begin to pick up social cues, we have to be careful as parents not to put our stuff on them um, because sometimes they're fine and we're the ones that are upset because our kids don't have friends. And, um, and if we be just sort of that's when we pace ourselves and look for the long term. They will eventually learn how to make friends as we help them do that. Um, but we don't want to take our upsets and put it on our kids because sometimes they're just happy, fine, and we're the ones that are worried.
1: Uh, exceptionally well put. Exceptionally well put. Well, Lane, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been a blast. It was a pleasure, as always. Let <laughs> we'll me do it again sometime. Everybody, again, go check out uh, her site, impactadhd.com. Uh, Sign up for their newsletter. You'll get uh, some great information. I mean, I know I'm signed up for it just because I love it. So uh, thanks again, Elaine. And everybody, catch us next week for another great edition of Attention Talk Radio. Take care.